Okay, man, give me a minute to get everything set up here. Come on, meow. You're running 25 minutes late. What's going on? Well, you know what? Honestly, I just forgot about it. That's the worst excuse ever. What's that? I just forgot about it. It's the worst excuse ever. That's what I really did. I did. I don't doubt it. I'm just saying. If you said my cat was choking on a bone and I had to go save his life, give him CPR, I'd be like, oh, yeah, that makes <laughs> sense. Sorry, man. Dude, uh, you know what popped up today was that video that I posted of that, uh, like, trust fall exercise that ladies like, as a teacher, I'll never ask you to do anything I wouldn't do myself. And then she just falls yeah, right. forward and lands face down. Oh. <laughs> and, you know, I posted that with the, with the uh, caption, when you take a class from one of our competitors who doesn't know what, they, what they're doing, essentially, or something like that. But it's so, I watch it again. I'm like, dude, it's so true. There's totally training out there from people that will tell you to do things, ask you to do things that they themselves have never done in the real world. And I'm probably never done, period. But oh, they'll, they'll tell you how to do it. Well, <clears throat> it's just funny. Since, yeah, well, just since the onset of the internet in general, Facebook, you know, uh, whatever other choices there are out there, it's, it's very easy to become the pro. You know what I mean? You, oh, yeah. you jump on some forum pages, you post some pictures, you, you answer questions, and uh, there's this perception, yeah. right? I mean, this perception. And when you break it down, and then you go the other direction. It's so easy for people to, uh, I'm not, I'm not going to use the word, how about get angry at you? Because they can't disseminate between, or they actually get upset because they can't, because of all the noise and all the information, if someone does come out and go, well, you guys, like, if you really want the answers, it's here. Oh, shut up, man. You don't know. I, I got Pete over here who's made a vanity out of sacrete and sealed it with his local acrylic, and he knows what he's doing. Yeah. Who are you to tell him? <laughs> anyway, yeah. it's um, – Well, I think a lot of it, too, is people don't know what they don't know. And yeah, that's very true. without that frame of reference, if you don't know what you don't know, you think you know. I think I told this story before. I'll just bring it up again. But now that we're talking about this, I actually have some new stories. But there was a time we went to the World of Concrete, or maybe it was one of the countertop conventions. I can't remember. But you know how sometimes they break off and you go into this certain room and there'll be like three or four speakers yeah. and then the audience, you know, you listen to the speakers. And this particular one was about you know, running a profitable business and being a good business and, you know, how to run a good business, all related to concrete countertops. And I won't say all four people, but, you know, three of the people on that panel, there was only one that still was running a profitable end. And that was from JM Lifestyles. The other three had long been defunct, gone out of business, went bankrupt, you know, completely upside down. And I, how angry people, not just them, but the four speakers got it to me because as various questions kept, kept coming up about running a business, you know, everything from advertising and who your target audience is and profitability and pricing. And, and I just, to, it was, 
actually called on me and I said, okay, well, I have a question. What makes your information pertinent to me since three of you guys have completely gone out of business? One of them, who's now doing all training, was only in business for a minute. Um, and literally one company, which was JM Life, still is JM Lifestyles, that continues to run a business and be profitable. And this is what I found interesting. To me, it was a legitimate question. It wasn't an aha moment. I wasn't trying to you know, poke anybody with daggers. I'm a believer that in this situation, just because you did go out of business, how? I mean, you should have learned something, right? Like, I think you would have pertinent information to put to the table. But if your information is trying to come at me as, hey, because I am so successful, I have the answers to success, then three of those individuals would have never had those answers. Yeah. But I would have liked to lean on their experience of what made them unsuccessful, hindsight being 2020. But unfortunately, in this particular situation, um, instead, let's just say people got upset with me. And I thought it was a quite legitimate question. Legitimate from the point of view is there was three individuals with serious uh, experience that could have said, like, well, here's some things that I did wrong or, or whatever the case may be. And, you know, learning from my own experience, these would have been better choices moving forward. But uh, anyhow, that's not the way it went, unfortunately. Yeah. No. Well, it's funny you say that because um, one of the people on that panel. That was the falling out that I had with that person was there was a, a discussion one night amongst a bunch of concrete people and the topic came up of sales and marketing and and uh, I was giving my perspectives. You know, they, they said, what would you recommend? And I'm, I'm giving my perspective and a person chimed in and said, no, 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 that's the wrong way. That's not mm-hmm. how you do it. And I said, you know, what do you know? You don't you don't even run a business. Mm-hmm. And uh, you would have thought I'd have punched that person right in the face, like the look on their face. Yeah, and, you know, hindsight's twenty twenty. I was a little too direct. I was a little too too abrupt with my uh, with my response. But the fact was, it was still true. It was this person is trying to tell a group of people how to run a business when they don't know how to run a business. And not that I have all right. the answers in the world, but mm-hmm. at that point, I'd been in business. I don't know, thirteen, fourteen years consecutively, and I was still in business. And so I would say, you know, I don't know. Listen to the people that are doing the things you want to do, not to the people that failed at the things you want to do. Right. And so if there's training from somebody out there that tried to make a go of it, couldn't make a go of it, and said, you know, I can't do it, so I'm going to teach you how to do it, well, maybe that's not who you want to learn from. Just just spitballing here, but maybe that's not the person you want to learn how to do the thing you want to do because they don't know how to right. do the thing you want to do or they'd be doing it. So You would think, yeah. You would and think. That could be said for anything. You yeah. know, when we're talking about products – Anyway, concrete to sealers to what any of us are doing in our shops. You know, the last person I want to, I shouldn't say this. If someone ended up with severe silicosis, that actually might be the person I want to listen to on, you know, products, air scrubbers, you know, the the what I should have done just as much as the person who's already implemented those kind of things. I guess that's what I'm saying. Oh, absolutely. No, there's there's a lot to be learned from failure if that is – if that is a perspective they're talking to you from, correct. They're yeah. saying, "Here's where I really f-ed up. Do yeah, not make right. the mistakes I made. I made yeah. these mistakes. These are the mistakes to avoid. Right. 
then you listen. But if they're like, here's how I do all the great things I do. And you're like, but you're not doing any great things. No, again, I mean, not beating this dead horse, but yeah, I mean, it's just recently following that path. Let's just talk products for a moment. And this is not, not me stepping on my, you know, high horse, my pedestal to be, Hey, you know, Kodiak, John Schuler, Oh, da, 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 da. But the interesting part of this conversation, when I was talking to the person who's having not just difficulty, but failures using another product, another product, which I'm quite familiar with, and the questions that were coming at me before we even went down that road, he sent some pictures to me in the email and said, hey, John, why? Great. No problem. Called him back. I said, you know, before, let me tell you why. I li- As I was listing off the issues he was having without him telling me anything, instantly just got quiet. Like, well, John, how did you know that? Well, because I designed it. <laughs> you know? And the way you're using it is not the way this material was designed to be used. So if you're telling me you're trying, let's say in this case, create an SCC mix out of material that was never meant to be an SCC, then right off the bat, it tells me you're most likely using too much water. I I know what you're talking about. I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, we were just talking about this. Yeah. You're talking about the person that is wanting to try Kodiak Pro, but it's kind of stuck in their old ways. Right. Yeah. Okay. Well, not just stuck in his old ways. So again, I know this with me, it always end up long stories. So he sent me pictures. Instantly, I knew what was going on. Sent you pictures what, of Maker Mix or uh, the old no, mix they're I'm using? Sorry, so, yeah, pictures of end product. Tubs, actually. Bathtubs. Very, very nice. Yeah, very nice looking bathtubs. With his old mix, not, not Maker with, Mix or Rad Mix. No, no, no. Okay. So, you know, John, these are the failures we're seeing. You know, what do we do kind of thing? And I'm like, well, and he's, he's already, he's making the jump over to Maker Mix. And this is where it gets convoluted. So first of all, I call him back and I'm like, hey, you know, I'm not in a position to tech support those materials anymore, but let me just bring you up to speed. What are you, you're most likely putting these in, trying to put them into a self-consolidating mix. He's like, oh, absolutely. And I'm like, well, let me tell you right off the bat, that mix was never designed to be a self-consolidating mix. So for you to even get it into a self-consolidating consistency, you're using too much plasticizer, too much water, you know, anyway, blah, 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 blah. And I, you know, as I went down this list, so you're probably seeing a lot of air, you're doing a lot of labor and filling pinholes. And, and when I finally stopped listing off like five things, he's like, oh yeah, you're spot on. And I could, cause I get it. I get it. You're now talking to the guy that knows the raw materials that went into this material and know why this mix was designed and how it should be used digressing or you know then i step back and said this is why this other material was designed instead for the use that you're trying to do the self-consolidating and you know air and all these kind of things but this is where it went sideways and this i guess as i make my evolution or revolution rather where we started in this as i kept talking to him he kept kind of like I wouldn't say being argumentative. That that would not be it. Appeal to authority. That's the words. 
So he kept coming back at me like, well, well, so-and-so said, and I'm like, okay, well, you know, that's not, and I was trying to be very delicate. Well, no, that's not right. You and know, so and so is the distributor of the products he's purchasing the from right now. The product. Yeah, yeah, the okay. distributor of the product. But that person products. isn't the person that developed the products or the chemist that made it because that was you. This no, is just a person yeah. that's selling them to an end user and advising yeah. them on how to use it, but advising them incorrectly. Exactly. Yeah. And there's the the difficulty I think oftentimes with anybody, probably in any industry, but specifically in our industry. And I know we don't hammer it. We probably do hammer at home more than anybody wants to hear. But a difficulty here for me is having a conversation is trying to help them be successful as they keep leaning back on the only information they think they know, which they think they're, the authority of that information is coming from somebody else who knows nothing about the materials. I mean, it's, it's kind of mind-blowing you know, and frustrating, quite frankly, because – for every two steps forward in information that I'm trying to give him, he would then lean back on like, well, you know, but so-and-so was telling me and I'm like, but listen, man, no. So-and-so doesn't know what they're talking about. So-and-so is a salesman, not yeah. a concrete chemist, not the developer, not a, not, none of those things. Right. So you're getting bad advice from somebody that, you know, right. God that's, bless them, but they yeah, don't know what they're talking hard. about. It's hard because in this situation... Just like we've said many times, I'm certainly he's trying to do the best he can do with the best materials that he thinks is possible, you know, um, and then unfortunately, from the best information that he felt was available at that time. But at this case, in many cases, that information's coming from somebody that's that really doesn't know about the materials, maybe used it once themselves. But in this case, yeah, I mean, if you got something that's calls for six pounds of water, but you put 15, uh, I guess I admit at some point it's going to get hard, but it's probably never going to give you the performance out of the product that you were ever expecting or, or that should be, you know what I mean? And that's because it's coming from somebody who really shouldn't be in that position, but maybe have put themselves in that position to be a position of supposed authority. Yeah. If that makes sense. Yeah. Well, that's what I was going to say is, there's a lot of people out there, Ernie is one that comes to mind, that mm -hmm. uh, were salesmen that were giving people advice, not necessarily nefarious advice or malicious advice, right. but just right. completely uh, unfounded advice. They had no basis for the information they're giving people besides something they heard from somebody else, a game of telephone. Well, so-and-so and so-and-so said this, and this guy said this, and I'm just going to put two and two together and tell you, hey, yeah, do 15 pounds of water. That'll work, right. says a salesman. So when somebody starts arguing with you about products you developed, even though it's not a product you support anymore, it's products that you were be you were the chemist behind it that made it to begin yeah. with. When somebody's like, "Well, but that's that's not you know," I was always taught this way. I don't care how you were taught, bro. Right, I'm the yeah. guy that made it. Like nobody in this industry knows more about this material than I do. So mm -hmm. listen to me when I tell you, like that's wrong. This is right. But right. that material, here's the other part of that, that you're trying to, to explain to, to this person, but I know you explain, try to explain to other people as well, is that legacy material, that old material developed. At the time, it was the best material out there. Well, it's not anymore. I think we can all agree right. that, that Kodiak Pro suppresses it. But there is a place for that material. But right. that place is very specific and very small. That kind of workability, that consistency is for a very specific 
type of look. No, absolutely. And that's, that's something I tried to explain to him. I think he finally got it all, but you know, composite designs, the original, let's say reason from my point of view of developing the composite designs was a time in my artisan career where I was really into doing those, you know, marble, multicolor, veining kind of looks. The difficulty with materials available at that time, mixes and so forth, was pigments would bleed. You couldn't get nice, clean transitions out of a mix. So the composite designs, let's even say from a workability, from a mixed characteristic point of view, was very taffy-like. It was it's very taffy-like. Like literally, I could be working with my brother and I, and we could mix some up. And very difficult to mix. I mean, this is not something you whip up with a hand mixer. I remember you trying and I'd be laughing (laughs) and you'd you'd be dying over there, like trying to hand mix it. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And in the, at the end, the ability was to pick this material up and I could literally, as I'm twisting it in my hand, like taffy hand him part of the mix and the mix would almost dangle. And then we could take that and place that in, in various spots and so forth and so on. So then when we cut through, you know, a little bit of grinding, oh, crisp, clean colors. I mean, some everything from the most, you know, tight little itty bitty veinings to anyway, there there was no bleed. There was none of this and nothing against some of the looks out there. But, you know, some of it looks very pillowy. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, almost like it was um, smeared across the surface. No, not at all. That was the original intent from an artisan point of view of using composite designs, ECC, engineered composites. When So when the information starts being like, hey, no, look at this. You could use this as a self-consolidating. Okay, well, here we go. I, again, you're talking to John, so I'm willing to say, well, I'm not going to tell you you can't. What I'm going to tell you is, even for that mix, that you'd have to use – 40 50 percent more water <laughs> you it wouldn't even be a plasticizer issue because uh, you really can't over plasticize it but what you would have to do is use significantly high amounts of water to ever get that material to get even the most reasonable amount of flow take that to the next level hey what fibers are you using oh well, we're using glass okay then again, I'm telling you, you're going further than that because that was a design based on PVA fibers that can't break down. So you, if you actually have the ability to blend bundle fibers into that mix, that mix should shear those fibers. I mean, it would destroy bundle fibers. So again, it told me you know, where he was in that, which meant ultimately he was pumping air into the mix. He was whipping the mix like egg whites too high a water anyway blah 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 you know what's going through my mind is you know your your standard answer my standard answer is no if somebody asks me something i default to no because that's a good position to negotiate from always no no and then you can work your way out of no but your default is eh, technically Eh. yes and i'm like no don't say that don't say that (laughs) so here's your problem (laughs) associated with that yeah yeah but what I was going through my mind when you're talking is like, if somebody's like, John, can I take a dump truck to the Indy 500 and race it? I'd be like, no, you can't. You're not, you have no chance of taking a dump truck to the Indy 500. And you'd be like, well, 
technically, <laughs> yes. You know, you're going to have to get very specific tires. You're going to have to get specific right. fuel. You need to turbocharge mm-hmm. it. But it's going to mm-hmm. handle like crap. You're not going to win. Right. You're, you know, you're going to be going uh, 80 miles an hour. Everybody else going, you know, 170, 200. Uh, but you could do it. And I'd be like. Yeah, you could. And I'd be like, no, you, you can't. You could. And that's where yeah. the ECC was such a very, spe- it was like trying to race a dump truck in Indy 500. It was a very, very specific workability for a very, very specific look. But if you want the Swiss Army knife mix, which is what people are trying to use those old style mixes as now. They're trying right. to take those and use those for a trowelable, an SEC, a sprayable. They're never meant for those things. You never design no. that mix to be those things. And so when they try to do that, it's not good at anything. It's not good. You know, it's it's just bad at everything at that point because right. it wasn't designed for those things where Kodak Pro, uh, Maker Mix, and Red Mix were designed to be universal. Yeah, you, you try to straight up, like in, let's say, upright casting, trowel some of those high polymer, polymerized mixes well, there's a point where all you you're, you're literally just tearing the surfaces unless you are spraying boatloads of water and doing all this. It was yeah. never designed. These those materials were never designed for those kind of things. They just weren't. Well, to get back on track with this is because I'm I'm remembering this conversation now, and the other thing that stood out was this person tested. They they went to the event that Martin had. Uh, and picked up some bags, and they yeah. tested it, and they said it took three times more pigment to get the same color. Correct. Which yeah. is insane because anybody that uses yeah, Maker Mix or Rad Mix knows you use less pigment, thirty to fifty yeah. percent less, not more, not three hundred percent more, thirty to fifty percent less to get mm-hmm. the same color because it's such a dense mix. And so, what did that tell you? If they were doing that, what would cause them to have to use three times more pigment? Uh, then that told me, and they're completely over plasticized, and most likely, and these are all with me just telling him, and I go, and you you were using vibration, and again he just got quiet. He's like, well, yeah, well, this is not a mix that's built around vibration, but these were old habits, right? Again, yeah. he, he, he was using a mix that that's what they were used to. It was pretty significant use of vibrators to get consolidation, which then ultimately led to a mix that doesn't require that. Which means, and then too much plasticizer. And too much like, water. Yeah, and he was one that like, well, if you told me 70 grams, then it must be 90. Okay, so he was using, you know, 20, 25% more plasticizer than necessary, plus vibration. And then he's using a lighter pigment, light, lighter in specific gravity. So they got pigment float. Yeah, where the pigment so literally the pigment just have, worked its way to the surface and floated on the right. back of the concrete. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Which, from... A maker mix point of view, or even a mix using rad mix, is extremely difficult. Yeah. I mean, there is so much fine particle in there that I can't remember who it was, but they actually sent me one laughing because they, they made a mistake. They like doubled the water or something, and they just weren't paying attention. It should have been like a, a four-bag mix, and they mixed up everything for a two-bag mix. and course they knew what they did wrong but they sent me one like oh john look at this i guess it's possible (laughs) and we just got a giggle out of it because if every if anybody's you push these materials you can push them a very long way so for him to push outside that boundary yeah i mean i had an answer for that it was pretty simple what had happened so I used to new see habits. he needs new habits. Yeah, I used to see pigment float a lot back in the Buddy Rhodes GFRC days, ZFRC those days. Um, yeah. I used to see it all the time. I would cast 
with pigment and on the back of my concrete, it'd be a really vibrant color. That wasn't the color of the concrete. You know, I'd cast like a, maybe like a, a slate blue, but the back of the concrete would be cobalt blue because all that blue pigment had floated up out of the concrete, essentially out of the mix, because it was, you know, just a much, a far less dense mix. And it relied on more plasticizer and uh, just wasn't the same level of, of quality. And so you'd see that type of thing happen much more readily than I've never seen it happen yet with Maker Mix. No, it's pretty hard to do. I mean, again, I'm, I can't say impossible. I've learned now that, you know, in people's hands, there's a lot of things possible. But, um, yeah, it's, it, should, it should be extremely difficult with this kind of consolidating mix. Yeah. Unless you, like I said, unless you're leaning on hold habits, you're leaning on, you know, old authority, old information that seems so relevant with what you were doing, but all of a sudden it's completely irrelevant now based on a, you know, new materials. So, yeah, you have to completely walk away from all the old things you used to do and do it the way. And that's the other thing that you and I are talking about is we spell out very clearly how to do it. Very clearly. Mm -hmm. It's very, very precise. It's very dialed. Don't deviate. The the instructions are there. And when I say don't deviate, I mean, your shop, you're going to have different temperatures, different humidity, different uh, wind flow through your shop, these different things that you do have to account for. But you're going to count with that with your ice load and your plasticizer, but it's subtle. Right. It's not dramatic. So if, if, you know, at Dusty Shop, we use like 73, 70 to 73 grams of TBP per bag mm -hmm. for an SCC. Right. And that was even just a bit too much. Probably 65, right. 67 would have been perfect. So I mean, it, flew, it flowed beautiful. And that, I just, I want to put context to what you're saying, because if anybody was listening, like, what, what does he mean it was too much? It flowed beautiful. But the reality is, with this kind of mix, to, to gain the consolidation out of what you're looking for, you didn't need that much. Exactly. <laughs> so that's what you're, you know, and, and that's just something that people need to get experience with to understand that like so many things we all make jokes about this, you know, like with ICT, well, more applications is not going to give you better protection. It actually will give you worse. In this case, taking maker mix or rad mix combo and pushing it beyond limits that you think you were used to with other materials is not making it better. It's, you know, it's, it's um, anyway, that, that, I just wanted to get that out. If that makes any sense to anybody listening right off the bat, I, we should have been probably 65 or 70 instead of the 73 that we were running. Exactly. But if we were 65 to 70 at Dusty Shop and somebody in the UK is 95, there's something mm -hmm. dramatically wrong. Correct. And No question. I don't know where along the lines. Maybe it's just they, they don't have a frame of reference yet to, for what they're looking for. They're looking for old telltale signs. And so they're trying to push this mm -hmm. to look like that. Or right. I don't know. But if you're at that level, you're that's dramatically overplasticized, dramatic. Too much. Yeah, yeah. And that's what's nice is though, as we keep going around this, what's nice with that is, in this case, whomever whoever gets a hold of us, email, phone call, text, uh, whatever, messenger, whatever. It's very quick and easy to diagnose what's going on. 
because not only are you talking to two people that use this stuff on a consistent basis, you're also talking to the individuals who designed them to be able to go, okay, boom, that shouldn't happen. And this is the only reasons why that would have happened. So here's your choice A, B, and C. I already know what you did wrong. You know what I mean? Yeah. You can't you can't bluff me into anything because I already know. And 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 not that that makes us like, oh, oh geez, I think they're so great. No, just the opposite. I look at that as immediately helping someone be successful and move past any of their, their own habits or shortcomings, whatever it may be, and get them on the right track immediately to be successful. That's a good thing. It is a good thing. It is. Yes, it, it is. Yes. Martha Stewart, it's a good thing. It's a good thing. It's a good thing. Yeah. I saw a picture of Martha Stewart. She's like 75 or 77. She like is uh, yeah. just wearing an apron in a kitchen. I was like, damn yeah. girl, like 75. Mm-hmm. She's taking care of herself. If you don't know what I'm talking about, find, find that ad. It's uh, it's scandalous. And I'm like, 75? What? What? <laughs> well, take care of yourself. She eats right. Takes yeah. care of herself. Good for yeah. her. Prison yeah. life, man. Maybe taught her taught her workouts. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Isn't that amazing? Or, <laughs> I, I, I'm sorry. Unbelievable that out of everybody and all the scandalous crap people do, that she paid a price that nobody else pays. I know. It's so stupid. Things. Yeah. It's so very stupid. unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah. Well, what else you want to talk about, John? What else you got? Uh, shoot. You had me all fired up for a minute there. I, I don't know. Well, I'm just trying to think, you know, this week, uh, things that I've had conversations with people. Um, one that I had today was somebody on that uh, forum on Facebook, the furniture, the concrete furniture, countertops, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. That one that uh, Martin... And uh, decoy are moderators of. Um, uh-huh. Somebody asked a question about metal inlays, and I responded back, and uh, and then he started messaging me, and we talked for a while. But um, a few things, and I'll just kind of briefly hit metal inlays really quick. Is metal inlays and concrete they work? And he was asking like, will it work? Well, of course it'll work, sure. but the longevity of it becomes the issue. And it's not that they're gonna fall apart, something the concrete's going to fall apart, but you're going to develop spider cracks off those inlays as time goes on because the concrete is expanding and contracting with the seasons and the steel is expanding and contracting, but they're doing it differently. And it's that differential that's going to create the problem. And so you can put them in there and they're going to look great for a year. It's kind of like wood, you know, people that do like the wood slabs in the concrete. Yeah, bro, you can do it. And it's going to look really good for about a year. And then it's going to start cracking on you. Wood's going to be way worse than steel, but, um, that's definitely part. The other part I, I just, and I'm probably interjecting on you, would sure. be sealer. See, you know, the sealer bonding between the concrete and the steel, especially with some of the conventional based coatings that are available, that doesn't take long before, again, the movement of those two materials and, and starts lifting, you know, the, the mechanical bond will start pulling off the steel. Well, the other problem with that is, um, and this is what happened to me. So, Really quick, back to the the movement is you'll get spider cracks. You'll get these uh, little hairline spider cracks. They're not structural. They're just cosmetic. But you'll get those as time goes on. But the other thing was, and this was his question as well, is like, what should I seal it with? And I said, you know, when I, when I did the picture that I posted, I was using a topical. I think it was EAP, 
it could have been E32K, but I'm pretty sure it was EAP. At that point in time, I was probably using the AP because it was shortly after there after that that I moved to ICT. But the problem was with a topical moisture built up underneath the steel, in between the sealer and the steel, and spider rusted, like flash rusted the steel underneath the sealer. Hmm. So when I first sealed it, it looked great, you know, because I had like polished the surface with the concrete and the steel. So the steel got polished and I sealed it, sprayed it. But there's moisture. The concrete has moisture and it's trying to outgas it, but it can't get out. And so that moisture then rusts the surface of the steel because it's trapped. There's a layer of plastic on top of it and it'll it'll literally rust it. And so I went back into that restaurant, I don't know, a year or two down the road. I was like, whoa, what's going on here? Because it's like spider webs of rust. And then like another year or two mm. down the road, I went back and it was like completely rusted underneath. And the sealer was still there, but underneath the sealer, it had rusted, which is crazy. Interesting. So Yeah, I can see that a, happening though. Yeah. Yeah. ICT wouldn't be the issue. Yeah. that uh, The tenacity with the colloidals and the silanes and stuff with ICT will not only, uh, let's say, chemically and physically bond to the steel, it actually impregnates any pore structure of the steel. So that that's that is that is an absolute not issue under that condition. Yeah. Can't won't stop the spider cracks, but it would definitely stop all that. Yeah, there's really no way to stop the spider cracks. It's just it is gonna be what it's gonna be. You know, so I, I told him, you know, you could do the steel or you could do the um sticker, the uh the decal and then acid etch it with surface gel tech acid. And, you know, I, I would push the client towards that if I was him. We had another uh, customer up in Montana that hit me up recently. And it's exact same situation. It's for a floor. Both guys are doing floors. It's for a floor. And the client was dead set on steel, but they wanted it all placed ahead of time. Everything had to be dead level. It was going to be like a terrazzo grind. But this is, you know, this huge logo on the floor. And they were dead set on stealing. But logistically, there's so many things to go wrong with that. To get all that stuff set dead perfect, to be sure that when you're pumping the concrete in there, nothing moves, nothing shifts. Then you go to grind it. You know, it's just a a lot of moving parts. And at the end of the day, if they poured the floor, polished it, then did the acid etch logo on it, then sealed it, I think they'd be happier. I think the client would be happier. It'd be more precise. It'd be more crisp. And there's way less chance for some catastrophic failure in the process. So I was telling my buddy at Montana that, and he actually contacted the client and explained to them this and showed them, showed them surface gel tech's website. And he talked to Tamron. I gave him Tamron Doolin's name and said, Hey, give her a call. She's super helpful. I talked to her. So he did. And they, the client shifted to that method. So anyways, the guy today, I said the same thing, but the client is a steel company. So they're dead set on steel because that's what they do for a living. They want a steel logo in their floor because uh-huh. they're a steel company. I'm like, oh, I get it. But, you know, just know it's going to it's gonna crack. And, uh, yeah, it just is what it is. Interesting. Yeah, there you go. Well, that's what, again, we, we talk about this sometimes. And that's one of those situations, in my opinion, where... If you're the professional with this material, then you have to lay the groundwork to just, and then ultimately you got to be willing to walk away. Yeah. Guys, I'm letting you know this, this really has potential for cat, which ultimately you're probably going to hold me responsible for. So, yeah, I mean, those might be something to just play your cards right and walk away, limit your liability. Yeah. Well, his other question was mixed design for the floor. 
He was planning, <coughs> excuse me. He was planning to do like an RDAX or some type of self leveling uh, floor system, but he was also considering maybe just doing a traditional concrete for floor, you know, like a floor mix. Uh, but he wanted my opinion. I said, dude, I don't, for floors, I'm not the guy to talk to. That's not my expertise. But um, what's your thought on that? Uh, that to me would something that's six sack pea gravel, you know, and then, you know, bring in a good fiber load. And when I say fiber, I'm not talking about the typically the polypropylenes. That would be the cellulose fiber that, man, and I, I don't know why I keep forgetting the name of them, but I know they changed the name. Mm-hmm. Solomon. Yeah, they sell them. They're pucks. The They're pucks yeah, that they pucks. throw in the trucks. I got them when Absolutely. I did my house. I had Solomon, because my local ready mix guys didn't carry them. I got Solomon to send them a box. And mm-hmm. they're just like these compressed pucks of cellulose fibers. They throw in the trucks while they're driving to the site and they break down and mix into the concrete. Yep. That would be, that's, that's been my go-to. If anybody asks me that kind of question, that's a pretty simple answer to me, you know, and it's not even a PSI. So you need it somewhat creamy, but at the end of the day, ugh, damn it. I almost had the name. Is it Buckeye? Um, is it Buckeye fibers or is Buckeye, that not what it is? Yeah, Buckeye? Buckeye fiber. Okay. Yeah, Buckeye fiber. Yeah. Those things, they're amazing. Uh, for that type of use, it's not just because they're anti-crack, blah, blah, blah. No, they'll actually, you know, help hold those things based on the type of material they are in the mix. And when they, I think that the go-to is like, I don't know, a pound a cubic yard or something like that. But with this material, oh, heck no, go four or five, six pounds a cubic yard. It actually helps the mix that gets creamier we've done that i don't do that kind of concrete anymore but years ago that buckeyes was was our go-to working with bill glaze on any of the exterior projects because especially if we got into the higher elevations for freeze thaw is that those fibers hold things together so well over the longevity of say stamped concrete or any of that kind of stuff. I mean, it, it was just, it, they were always my go-to, not the the typical polypropylenes and stuff like that that's used by your ready-mix companies. Makes sense. You know, speaking of pushing clients away from a bad concept, or, or a lot of times they have a preconceived idea of the way something's supposed to be done. Uh, I had a guy contact me recently, a concrete artisan that was contracted by their architect, by an architect they work with, to do a project for a Frank Lloyd Wright house. And essentially what it was, Hmm. was these big rainwater collection basins that surrounded the house. They're they're decorative, but they're functional as well. And they had experienced a lot of wear, deterioration over the years. And the architect had somehow, I don't know, they probably read something in some journal about GFRC, and they thought, GFRC, that's the answer. And so they came up with this super convoluted solution of essentially going out there. There's like four of them or six of them. And they're huge. I mean, they're like eight feet square and they're like two or three feet deep, these, uh, these basins. Um, but they're all, indivi- they're all you know, made by hand you know, on site 100 years ago or how long ago it was. Um, so they're not the same. So you have to go out there. You'd probably have to make a rubber mold or a mold of each one of them. Then you have to make a reverse of the inside shape and then a mold of the outside shape and then put those together and cast this concrete 
base and liner that would then have to come in and fit in perfectly, which orientation is everything, and that's if everything went went to plan to begin with. And then they wanted to go in and go to a zero edge, like a knife edge at the very top. And then they wanted you to essentially patina the concrete to blend in so it doesn't stand out, right? And I'm like, oh, my God, mm. this is like one of those Goldberg contraption things to, to, you know, do a simple task. These guys have come up with the most convoluted, difficult, you know, rife for just failure after failure after failure all along the way when it didn't need to be like this. And so what I told the person that contacted me, the artisan that contacted me, was he, he'd asked me if I wanted to be a part of the project. And I said, listen, dude, I'd love to, but this is the most difficult way to do what they want to do. What do they want right. to do? What do they want to do? You know, the, the Occam's razor, the simplest solution is the best solution. What do they want to do? They want to essentially re, uh, renew the inside of these basins, right? That's what they want to do. They, they don't want the deterioration. So the right thing to do is to take a high-quality, trowelable overlay for exterior concrete and take a very skilled artisan like a Michael Carmody, somebody who's very, very, very good at troweling, very detail-oriented, but get a very skilled artisan to go out to the site and do a troweled overlay inside the basins right up to the edge, and that way you will get a true razor knife edge right up to the very top the way they want it, and then take water-based stains. And there's a lot of guys out there that are super skilled at patina and concrete. They do the, you know, the, the faux rock structures and things like that. They're yep, super yep. talented at that. I mean, there's people that are literally like Van Gogh level artists that do that type of stuff and get one of those guys to come in and patina the concrete to match the existing concrete. So patina the overlay to match the existing concrete. And I guarantee you, it'll be a fraction of the cost. It'll be the fraction of the time. And the end result will be far superior to this convoluted GFRC liner system that they've developed. That's going to look like crap and nobody's going to be happy and it's not going to match. And, you know, uh, I said, so I would love to do it, but I'm just telling you, like, that's, that's how I would approach it with a client. And so I think he did. I think he went back to them and just said, listen, Here's what I recommend. I don't know what came of it, but um, but yeah, I mean, sometimes the best jobs are the ones you don't take. Sometimes the most profitable Great. jobs are the ones that you turn down because you know if you take that job as it's designed, it's nothing but heartache for everybody. Right. Now, we've talked about that before. I mean, some of the jobs you gave the best deal on for all the right reasons in your head, uh, whatever those reasons might be, maybe you just thought you were being a good guy about it. Those are the ones that often are the biggest pains in your butt over the course of it that um yeah life has a way man it's funny yeah when you let the inmates run the asylum that's what you get you know architects they're i love architects oh i love some architects some architects i don't some architects i do but architects are good at conceptual design but a lot of times when it gets down to the nitty gritty details or actually problem solving, whatever the problem is, they should let the people that are skilled in that uh, realm come up with a solution and execute the solution, you know. And so whatever that may be, if it's a crazy steel pivot door, leave it to the steel fabricator to come up with whatever that detail is, because he's going to know better than their architect. If it's relining a concrete basin, leave it to the concrete artisan to come up with a solution to do what you want to do. Yeah. The people that use the material. Exactly. Can, yeah. And the yeah. performance of those materials. Absolutely. Yeah. Agreed. So agreed. What else, John? <laughs> I don't know, man. 
<clears throat> um, I mean, we could go through more tech support stuff. Yeah. I mean, back to this, just the the metal and the concrete. I mean, I, I got a call here the other day with someone who needs to was resealing a specific project with one of the sealers that was said for a minute that would attach to everything, but he found pretty quick. He did a very, very nice glass terrazzo finish. And within a short period of time, that, that again, let's go, the coating is literally re, so he looks across and it looks like it's got air pimples over the entire surface. Yeah. Anywhere the glass, yeah. Anywhere the glass chips were, and I totally understand, you know, I, now for me, from a totally different background, glass and concrete is notoriously a difficult aggregate because glass that's been, you know, sand melted and then bro, it's, there's no micro fissures to it. It's an extremely, I'm going to say non-porous kind of thing. It's all the surfaces. Now, when I say smooth, I'm talking on a microscopic scale, not like that it can't cut you. And that is notoriously difficult for concrete to lock in with the, you know, you know, calcium silicate hydrates and everything. And so in this case, it was the same thing, you know, after, but he was convinced by the person selling the material that, no, this is the way to go. This will stick to everything. And uh, unfortunately, it does not. So it's, it's just right up the same path of knowing your materials, knowing who you're talking to, uh, know what their background with those materials are um, as the uh, as the go-to authority. Well, buddy, on that note, I'd say right. it's been a pretty good podcast. We've been going for close to an hour now, so we can uh, wrap this up. I'll edit this up. We'll get it posted. And uh, here in the near future, we need to get a guest on here. So, Yeah, definitely. Yeah. You know, and it, you know, it'd be interesting. I don't know if anybody else would find this interesting. I don't know how many comments we get that would come back to us as, as uh, it'd be interesting to do some like interview based kind of stuff. Again, I keep saying I would still love to bring on people with a different point of view than we do. You yeah. know, does that make sense? Yeah. I don't know. For whatever reason, like, no, I'll never forget. Years ago, I was talking to somebody, actually who I was working with, and we were talking about various mixed designs. And this person instantly came at me and like, ah, you don't need that stuff. All you need to do is a different fiber. I'm like, what? He's like, ah, yeah, that's, that's all you need. And of course, that wasn't the answer based on the time. But my point to that was there are people out there with these kinds of points of view, you know, um, It'd be nice to bring somebody out from that point of view. 100%. Completely different than ours. Well, as always, the invitation is just perpetual. Anybody that wants to have a conversation, reach out to John and I. We'll we'll get it scheduled. We'd love to talk. And if you want to be on the Concrete Podcast, send us an email or message, and and, uh, we'll try to figure out a time to get you on here. Yeah, absolutely. All right, buddy. All right, man. Well, good talking to you, as always. I appreciate it. Yeah, man. And I, again, I'm going to say at the end, I love that videos, the videos from the hoedown. Yeah, I'll post it on that. Yeah, sorry. I was, I was going to say, say, I'll post it on this. That in of itself. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm talking. I'm talking. You go. You go. You go, go. You go John. <laughs> go. You go. My turn. You go. My turn. What were you saying? What were you saying? Go ahead. You go ahead. What I was going to say. What I was going to say. Anybody who watches. No, what I was saying. <laughs>
anybody <laughs> watches that video, that is just a glimpse of what makes Kodiak, John Schuler, Brandon Gore, everybody involved with this, who we talk with, you know, who we like to help and be part of this success of everything. And I don't mean be, help. I don't know all the answers. That video is just a glimpse of what the difference is between everything that we do and stand for and what others claim to be a part of. Exactly. Yeah. So that video, I'll post it. We got it today from the editor. I'll post it uh, on the page on Kodiak Pro for this podcast. So if you're listening to the podcast and you you haven't been to the Kodiak Pro website, go to KodiakPro.com. Just scroll down to our podcast. It's on the homepage. Click on it. You can watch this short video. It's like uh, a minute and a half. You can watch a short video and it's a recap of the hoedown, but it's really good. And big thanks to Dusty because Dusty hosted this event yep. and uh, he was a big, 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 probably the primary reason that it was such a fun event. And um, uh, Michelle yeah, and all the people uh, that, that Gilbert came out. And, yeah. You know, brought things. Uh, it was just amazing. Yeah. Absolutely. Amazing. Michelle and Gilbert Hilario. The barbecue was phenomenal. You'll see that in the video. Uh, mm-hmm. Gilbert grilling out. Uh, but it was just a, a good, good, good time. One last thing to hit as we're saying goodbye is we have two days left in the Halloween promo. We don't do promos very often, and we, we've never actually done one. So this is our first promo since we've launched Kodiak to get our percentage off Maker Mix and Rad Mix. So yeah. um, these aren't something that, you know, we're not like Bed Bath & Beyond where you get the coupon in your mailbox every week. That's that's not what we do. So if you want to get some some savings, you have till Monday, to Halloween, to do it. Promo code Hallowcrete at checkout will get you 13% off Maker Mix or Rad Mix. And if you contact Joe Bates, if you want to just order a half pallet uh, or just a few bags, contact Joe Bates and he's offering that discount as well until Monday. And you can hit Joe up at Joe at SCFabNapa.com. So Sam, Charlie, F-A-B, N-A-P-A.com. And he can help you out with that. Good guy. Very yep. experienced. Yes. All right, my friend. All right, John. Good talking to you. Talk soon. Take care. Adios.